The bumper may be dragging and the engine may be on fire, but we made it to the end of a roller coaster ride of a year. Most importantly, we ended the year with you. Grab a glass of champagne, sit back, and toast the end of 2022 as we look to see if the resolutions we made in 2021 actually happened and which guest made it to our top 10 favorite podcasts of the year. Stay with us on the last episode of the year on the Vulgar Geniuses Podcast. Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzysbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code VULGARGENIUS to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. What's up, everybody? It's the Vulgar Geniuses Podcast. We're your hosts. My name is Denny. And I am Veronica. And we have made it to the end of 2022. Yes. It's it's been a long time since we've been in this this space with just you and I. Yeah, because usually um, our authors, creators, uh, influencers grace our presence and talk about, you know, the stuff that they do with their life and um, all the other stuff that interests them. But today, it's only me and Veronica. Yeah, and we're sharing all of our likes, possibly dislikes of this year. Um, And we just want to just say thank you for joining us today to listen to what we have to say. Uh, We're in for quite a treat. So we're going to talk about our favorite podcasts of 2022 we're gonna start off this episode with that this is in no particular order it's just our favorites so yeah it's the top 10 top 10 of denny and veronica favorites of 2022 and we decided to go with no particular order because we just can't like it's veronica she can't she can't do it it's both of us it's both of us i would have i don't know (laughs) you we'll see We'll I, I, I think that this list that we have is a good, solid list. And it would be very difficult to try to, you know, rank these podcast episodes in True. a certain order. Okay. But I, I, I think that the list that we have is a solid list and you all will agree with us. Okay, so coming in first, we have our girl, Jasmine Chan. Okay, so right off the bat. For how long? I want to say maybe like three, four months. We were calling Jasmine Jessamine. Yes. And it wasn't until she made a post on Instagram that talked about how to pronounce her name. We felt so bad. I felt terrible. All this time, we were sitting in this interview calling her Jessamine, and she never even blinked the eye. Obviously, she's used to it. And I think her Instagram post stated that, you know, it's okay if you bought her book. <laughs> that we could still call her uh, Jessamine. 
Um, but yeah, I can't believe that we sat through that entire interview, and there was no way for us to go back and post and no, fix it. Nope, not at all. It's we are sorry, but we love that interview. She is hilarious. She's witty, and we love her book. Yeah, it really uh, speaks to the character of person that she is to be able to sit with us in that space and us, like, call her name incorrectly. Yes. But it shows us, you know, like, this person really, I think she enjoyed the time that she spent with us. Mm -hmm. I know we enjoyed it. It was really good to talk about her book. She wrote uh, The School for Good Mothers. And that was our January pick of the month. And right out the bat, I, I already knew that that was going to be a New York Times bestseller. Yes, and it's going to be on multiple lists for awards. Oh, yeah. Which it was. So we are very happy for her. We enjoyed that interview thoroughly. And in my head, she is my friend. Yeah, her openness to share um, just like a bit of... W- what it was for her to be at the start of like motherhood uh, and going through the motions of her coming into this new found world and then finding herself writing about it. I think it was probably my favorite part of the conversation um, of her wanting to, you know, share, you know, like, yes, she dealt with depression and all of these things mm-hmm. and um, putting it in the book. I think it means the world because even though that the novel is like this dystopian novel to see that this person dealt with real things that, you know, you could see within the within between the lines of these this book. Mm-hmm. It really shows like this is someone who's willing to say, OK, you know, young mothers out there who are going through the same thing. Like, I understand you. I <laughs> young mothers, you. meaning me, I felt very seen in that book. <laughs> and I think that's why I really love that book. I carry those um, lessons that I've learned reading that book yeah. up to now. So, you know, if, especially she's Asian American. So it, it makes me feel like, oh, yeah, I didn't go through that shit by myself. Right. And, you know, what I liked about that particular thing within the book, you have a dystopian novel that's featuring an Asian woman as the center character, which is something that you never see. You never mm-hmm. see it in literature. It's usually white people who are dealing with the ends of the worlds and the weird ways and everything in between. And so to see this this character who normally would be the person that would be in the background, be the forefront, um, was a it it pleased my heart, mm-hmm. you know, to see like, okay, someone's writing us into these stories, um, in places where we've been erased from. Yeah, and we're you know, we're allowed to, Asian Americans are allowed to be messy. We're allowed to make mistakes. We're not perfect. It destroys model minority syndrome, which mm-hmm. is perfect. I love it. Here for it. Yeah. So coming in at number two, um, our girl, Nima Avashia. I, I just, that oh, conversation with Nima. I love Nima as a person. Yeah. Like, I love Nima as an educator, as a person. Um, I... I think I have great respect of what she does. Yeah. Nima wrote another Appalachia coming up queer and Indian in um, a mountain place. And I think, I think 
the reason why this particular podcast meant so much for me as someone who used to be an educator is knowing how much she loves working with children. Like you could tell from the conversation and the stories that she shared. There was one story in particular where she talks about um, helping a, a student who was grieving the loss of a fallen student from their school and her going in the middle of the night to go out and do graffiti on the wall with yeah. them. Like, to know, like, someone exists out there who co- who cares for kids like that means so much to me in my heart. And for us to be able to share that space with her, um, I mean, I think that was the gift for 2022. Yeah, I think Nima's a very gifted writer. Um, the stories that she had in her book talked about a, t- a place where n- not a lot of people know about and not a lot of people really know the reality of that certain area. But all her stories, because it's, a, you know, all her stories that she put in there make sense to anybody that's brown or queer or different anywhere in this in this United States. Yeah. So I think her her ability to write and to be able to move people's emotions and make them think of how they need to act in the world i think that's what makes nima a very great writer yeah she was one of those people who you felt like you've known for yes forever the you know the the humility of like talking about all these things Mm -hmm. but coming with all these these knowledge of like the reality of what she has to go through living living in the Appalachia and the problems that that community had you know she had so much um respect even you know even even with everything that had happened um throughout her life there she still had that great respect for the people that choose to be there and you know whatever legacy or whatever like that land represents to those people she she looked at it as some sort of like not really as an um maybe as a spectator almost like these are the realities that we're presented here in this land and you be the judge, the reader on how you want to feel about it. Yeah. I think what also I liked about the fact that we got a chance to read her book was that her book was from West Virginia University's press, which yeah. is the same um, company that published Disha Filia's book. And to know that you have these college campuses that's pumping out literature like this, you know, it pleases my heart to know that, even though big name publishing companies are like passing on these diamonds, these huge diamonds yeah. of literature uh, and, and being picked up by the universities who's like, yeah, we're going to put money on this and we're going to publish it and, and see it just take flight like it does really speaks to paying attention to small and indie presses to go and see what they have in store. And this really makes you want to say, okay, we know Penguin and Simon and Schuster are out there, but there are these other places that we need to start looking and Mm -hmm. pulling information from and and pulling literature from. And I'm so glad that we could do it twice with, with them. Yeah. It came out of instinct. I'm like, let me go back to, um, you know, West Virginia. Um, maybe they have something coming up and from time to time I I still do it because mm-hmm. um, the secret light of church ladies nobody <laughs> knew what, what they were missing no. until until it came out and became what it is 
So the fact that Nima can follow those footsteps is amazing. Um, yeah, I appreciate her as a human being. Like, again, she's a friend in my head and she is so funny. She is very I think very I asked funny. her that question. Do you know that you're funny? Yeah. And <laughs> and I don't I the the answer does not come up in my head, but I think she kind of laughed about it. But she is hilarious. Yeah. Um, for our third one, do 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 our our other friend, So Chill. <laughs> yeah, So Chill Gonzalez. She wrote Olga Olga Dies Dreaming. And that conversation was literally just a kiki. Like, I don't even know if we talked about the book. I know we talked about the book. <laughs> we asked questions. She answered them. But I felt like that conversation was just so much more. I feel like we got a free, like, wedding consultation <laughs> within it. Like, for those who don't know, uh, Sochil used to be a, uh, like, a wedding planner. She did all of the things. Not only wedding, but just event planning. In New York City. In New York fucking city. So, She's a big deal. And she decided one day, you know, let me pursue writing. And she is... Fucking did it. <laughs> she did it, and she did it well. Like, that book is amazing. Um, it's and everywhere. It's supposed to be... Oh, yeah. there. It, I think it was in production not too long ago, so we'll be seeing it on TV soon. Yes, because, you know, it follows this um, Puerto Rican family that uh, decided to um, live in, in, in New York. Um is it in Brooklyn? I think it's in Brooklyn. I think it takes place in Brooklyn. If not Brooklyn, Queens, but I think it is it's I think Brooklyn. it's I think it's Brooklyn. And um you have a brother who is a politician and yes. the main character Olga who is a, also a wedding planner and now you could tell that she pulled some things from her yeah. real life. Mm-hmm. Cuz that's where you know it's easy to write from. But yeah, that conversation was just us laughing for an hour and and plus. And I like the fact that we were her last interview on her book tour because she was about to head off on vacation. So mm-hmm. it was satisfying to be able to end it. And I know for them, it's like you're talking to people all day constantly about the same thing over and over and to know that we could be her last one and end with her laughing. Just... Yeah. And she... Hours later after uh, the interview, I keep telling people this just to kind of, you know, tell them what type of people, what type of person she is. She messaged us and she was she was like, "Uh, thank you for that wonderful time. I really had a good conversation. Thank you for, you know, appreciating and being thoughtful and reading my book. And, you know, those are the things that make make what whatever we do worth it, Mm -hmm. that the author recognizes that, yes, we we really take you know, our time and we try to be as respectful and yeah, consider it in what to, what to ask them, how to ask them, be sensitive about the topics of, of the book. And, you know, even to the point that sometimes we don't want to spoil anything for, for the listeners. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you said it's being sensitive about what's written in the book, because sometimes we get topics that we have, we don't have like a direct connection to and i think that olga dies dreaming is one of those because it's dealing with puerto rico and the aftermath of the hurricane that right. went through pulling it from the true life story of like you know these this horrific moment that happened 
um, that the that the country is still dealing with, mm-hmm. and for her to be able to present it in such a way that even though it was fictional, it made you it made you go and do the work and and do the research and really figure out like okay, let me know exactly what we're dealing with before we enter into this conversation because right. you know we're in Florida we we deal with our own we're in our micro yeah. self. And so I think the books like this help us go out beyond ourselves and mm-hmm. really f- see how we're connected, how we are truly connected to people who are dealing with natural disasters right. such as hurricanes and the financial and political aftermath oh, that yeah. happens t- and that ravages. It has ravaged Puerto Rico mm-hmm. um, these last few years ever since that hurricane so and we we've just seen a repeat of all of that again this year so um yeah i highly recommend reading things that put you in an uncomfortable place that you don't know yeah about that's how you expand your worldview and you know that's how you gain empathy yeah not only for the people that look like you but also for other people that you don't know what they're going through you don't you don't know where these people came from literally yeah and what they had to do in order to be standing in front of you. So um, our fourth author, soon to be published in the coming year. Oh, yes. Um, is Minda Honey. Minda Honey is currently the editor at uh, Black Joy for Reckon News. Um, she was she was the former author, editor and creator of Taunt Magazine, which was based in Louisville, Kentucky. Um and I I'm excited to read what she has coming up. But this conversation that we had with her made me want to be like her best friend <laughs> to the point that I was looking up like jobs and places to stay in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> like I was just like, what if it is to be in that environment? Because first of all, I remember her stating somewhere, uh, I don't know if it was in our conversation or if it was just online about how cheap it was to live where they were living. And I think like the rent she was paying, I think it was like $800. Because she was being honest. It was online. That's where it was. And she so she said, I feel like we have to be more transparent about the information so people will know and so if someone's asking you like how much is your rent that you just tell them like mm-hmm. my rent is this amount of money and I was like first of all it's cheap to live there I know the cost is going up but considering where we are here in Florida right. it's cheap so I was like hmm I wonder what that would be like just to be close you know because she makes you want to be where she is and I think that that was what was so great about the conversation. She was another Kiki. She was another person that you just felt like you knew for ages. And I felt like it was great to have that conversation with her because she was the both of our world. She was, she's a black and Filipino. So to have us combined in one person. Yeah. She is an auntie and a Tita (laughs) (laughs) in the same body. I think what I liked about Minda honey is her openness to be vulnerable Mm. she is not afraid to tell you how the world looks like in her lens um without scaring you and without judgment it's basically like this is my truth and i'm gonna live my truth for the people that want to see this truth and if you want to come 
and then, you know, do this ride with me, you're free to do so. But, you know, she doesn't do it for the people that don't want to be in in her space. Mm-hmm. She does it for her community. And she is very inclusive in that conversation. She's not just doing it for all Asians or all black people or all cis heterosexual people. She's including everybody. So just like going on her social media and following the things that she that she puts out into the world that you know that she is the ally that will stand by your side, that will call you out on your bullshit of what's going on in, in, mm-hmm. in the world and all that kind of stuff. So she's definitely one of those people to, I would suggest if you're not, she's not on your radar, later get on your radar, like go out, seek her information and, and pre-order that book when it gets ready to be published. Yeah. I know that um, book of essays is going to be a delightful read. I think it's going to deal with dating, um, in your 30s <laughs> living your best messy life so make sure you stay tuned to what she's got coming up um the next interview i think for me was this very special one because it was a friend of mine that i have known close to almost 20 years some insane number like that but we had an opportunity to talk to music producer um and screenwriter i make mad beats uh, uh, aka james dukes he's based out in <laughs> memphis tennessee uh, he's a producer screenwriter award-winning screenwriter uh, who starred in his uh, own short film uh, we had a chance to talk about his short film about his music about uh his work with uh creating the orange mound project there the orange mound tower uh, and as well as his um, record label, Unapologetic. Uh, I think for me, it was just a pure joy to sit down and speak with him. And after watching him for so many years, like just put his nose to to the grind and just go, you know, just like work so hard and just seeing how everything has now flourished for him. But I think there were two points within the conversation. One talking about just him being a father. Mm-hmm. You can clearly tell that he loves his son. He loves being a dad and a husband. And um, our conversation about rest, you know, like what oh, that yeah. meant. And I think it's put a spin on perspective for me of like how we talk about rest when you're like talking to people of color, specifically black people about, you know, you need to go and seek out rest and really taking a look at that and saying like, you have people who are working two, three jobs. Where are they going to rest at? Mm -hmm. How are they going to find the moment to pause and what that means for them if they try to take a break? Because that break could mean like they break down. Yeah. Or they lose a lot of stuff. Yeah. 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 I think, you know, first of all, like what I I think about what he did of claiming that land for his people to use. I think that's amazing because he was basically like, I'm going to buy this land so n- no nobody can gentrify this and I would use this so the people that need to be using this, like literally the my ancestors and the people that surround me, my community, we would flourish. Yeah. We yeah. would flourish. And so he has opened avenues for a lot of people for, you know, to be creative, to and be themselves. And not just music, but yeah. in art. 
Yep, art, film, like film, everything, everything that you can think of, like, um, you know, like crafts, all of, all of that kind of stuff is involved with the Orange Mound project. And also, I think what what really got to me is how he really wanted to become a father, because mm. I think. Um, when I asked him, like, you know, what he wanted, like, what do you want to pass on to your son? He almost cried. Mm. And, like, you know, that tells me, like, you are very intentional in everything that you do. And you wanted to be surrounded by your truth. And you want, you want your, like, children to be surrounded by this greatness. Like, you don't want it any other way. Like, you've basically curated all of this so you can pass it on to the next generation. Whether it be your blood children or, like, the community. Like, he he was very set on that. Like, if he succeeds, everybody, everybody that he brings with him would be the same way. Like, he was not selfish of what he had. Like, he wanted everybody to experience that joy of be, like, able to, like, express what you wanted to to express like musically creatively you know yeah yeah um and next up who who do we have who do we have um it is jason mott jason mott national book award winner shout out to jason he was um one of i think my favorite books i of the year that we can talk about that we read this year it was a joy to be able to speak with him um, and talk about his book. And I think what I remember most about our conversation was not the initial conversation itself, but the contact point. Because, you know, when we're contacting these writers, we're mostly, like, touching base with their publicists in the publishing company, mm-hmm. you know. Um, in the very beginning of what we were doing, we were sliding into people's DMs. Which they did not like all the time. <laughs> but a lot of them answer, and, you know, and, and it, we were so happy to have people respond to us. But I, I think that um, when I reached out to Jane, uh, Jason, when I reached out to Jason, it was first through the publishing company, but also on his website. Because I, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. He had just won the National Book Award. And we were like, let's see if we can get him. It was him and Melinda Lowe we were mm-hmm. trying to get. They had just won uh, for 2021. I sent the email on his website through his little contact page. And he immediately, I don't know if it maybe wasn't within maybe 10 to 15 minutes, wrote me back and said, yes, I would love to come. It was very <laughs> simple email. And we scheduled it so quick. I was just amazed. And to be able to sit and talk to him, he drove. No, he stayed because he's a, he's a professor right, uh, at a university in the Carolinas. And... He lives in a very small town. With no internet. With no internet. They do not have internet where he lives. They might have it now because he said they were working on it, trying to get internet there. But back then, they didn't have internet. And so he had to stay at work 
and we record at night. So for him to like take the time to stay at work and have a conversation with us for an hour when he could clearly have been home and be like in bed sleeping. Yeah. I think that was just like a blessing for us to be able to talk to him and him share his time. Yes. With us. Yeah. Jason, to me, Jason Mott is a very straightforward, simple man. Yes. Like, this is, you know, he comes with humility in in, in the podcast. And I was just like, you know you're, you're a big deal, right? You know you're a big deal. And he's like, ah, I, just, I just wrote a book, you know? Like, I just want people to, to understand what it is that I was, I'm saying regard, with regards to being like, you know, a, a black man in America and, you know, black lives in general. Yeah. So to him, he was just imparting some knowledge, you know, in form of fiction. And he like he won the National Book Award. Great. But, you know, he still comes home and watches like Nicolas Cage movies and plays video games and plays video games <laughs> like the humility of that man is astounding. I was t- telling Veronica yesterday, it's like the biggest people, the biggest people that we've talked to are the most humble ones. Mm-hmm. And Jason Mott is one of them. The writing is fantastic, exquisite, like, but, you know, talking to them, it makes even more sense on why, yeah, this book has a lot, a lot to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, Before we get into some of the, the major people that we, that we spoke to, I mean, everybody is major on this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to, I want to hold off for a second. Um, I want to go down to Tomas mm-hmm. and talk about him. Uh, Tomas Q. Maureen. There, I don't know. There's something about Let Me Count the Ways that I really liked. I think it's his just friendly nature in the book. And again, I like, I, there's something about like his humility again that I think is very endearing. His, he's really genuine when we talk to him. Like he, was so happy that we were able to do the interview with him. Like, he was also very open about his um, obsessive-compulsive disorder, about how, you know, his family or his father, there was some drugs involved, poverty was involved, and yet he didn't shy away from that. He's a very good writer. And... Again, this is from a very small publishing company that we, that we found him. I, I think another university publishing company. And yet there are these books like this. This is not his first book. This is his memoir. And he's a poet. Yes. I think he's a poet first before anything else. So yes. for him to, to share his story. And it's, I think it's also not only the candidness of within the book, but how he's so candid and his conversation of being that open to being like, yeah, let's sit here and let's talk about, you know, the difficult things, the difficult things. And it's not always that, that easy to do. And one question that I asked him as well as uh, a previous writer that we had on the podcast, Brian Broom was what it meant to share his family's secrets, his family's business out to the public putting it out on front street and you know he addressed all of those things with us 
I, I really like talking to him. And that's one of those people that you're like, well, I hope we can be able to bring back on the show. Yeah, I feel like talking to him is kind of like being in therapy. Like, he, like, there was this very safe, comfortable space that we entered. And he was very warm. I wish, I wish we could have done it face to face. Because I feel like if we've done it face to face, that conversation would have been longer. Yeah. He worked at Rice University, and but he was taking some time off because he was awarded um, the uh, Guggenheim Fellowship Award. Uh, and I, along with one of the writers that we spoke to this year, Lady Hubbard, both of them were awarded in the same year. So, you know, to give him some money and so he can take that time off to go and write and come up with new creations. And so um, with him working at Rice University, it is also the same university where Kiese has now since moved to Texas to go and work at. So I liked our, our end of our interview. We we're telling him to like, if you see Beyonce in the streets, like for him to say <laughs> hi for us. <laughs> yeah. Very, very, very nice man. Um, yeah, I would. I would I would want to meet him in person and just be like, hey, thank you for that. Thank you for thank you for that. Yeah. Another professor uh, uh, that was that we had the 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 pleasure and the honor of speaking to uh, was Dr. Regina M. Bradley. Um, she wrote uh, a a book called Stank Onya, which is like the history of of Southern hip hop and how it pertains to. Um, the new generation growing up post the civil rights movement era. And uh, I think what I liked about this particular conversation, she was a part of like my birthday pick. And I had been really wanting to talk to her for a very long time, ever since I had heard her uh, having a conversation, this lecture uh, between her and uh, Kiese Lehman and another writer. And I've been following her, but was just so shy of like trying to get her on the show because I was just like, I don't know if she would want to come on. And her book is not your regular nonfiction that we've read in the past. This one, it leans more towards the academic end of it. And it really, you know, got into our minds about how you can look at the everyday things and how and, and apply it to life. And how those everyday things have these themes and this type of commentary about the way of the world, which we already know hip-hop does. But um, for her to go and examine it deeply and intertwine those things with the literature that we're reading, because what she does, she takes Dangonia, um, Aquimini, and she takes Kiese uh, Layman's Lawn Division and she mm -hmm. ties those together, um, be which he, in his sense, ties within the book. And it's just wonderful to read that. But to sit and talk to her, if you ever get a chance to listen to that conversation, you will hear us just laughing. Like, mm -hmm. we go off on so many tangents. We talk right. about the book, but I think it was just one of those, like, if we were to have met up at the cafe and we're talking and we're just sitting there drinking coffee, that's what those those conversations feel like to me with her that we had. Yeah, and I think, you know, I 
so Dr. Regina Bradley teaches this book in like a, this is part of a course. It's a part of a whole course that she teaches to teach people that, you know, how hip hop is a form of like, is a way of how people can understand what's happening in the social political context of one area. Mm -hmm. So chronicling Stankonia, the rise of hip hop in the South, is not just a regular book. It's didactic almost. And this challenged me a lot because first, I don't know a lot of Southern hip hop, you know, like I listen to music here and there, but I did not grow up here. It's a whole, it's a whole different world. So it challenged me mentally and I'm like, oh, this is what it means to go outside of the box for myself. And it's one of those things that I'm like, I learned a lot from this book and it makes me feel like what we do here actually is helping me learn not just about my own world. It like opened up a lot of avenues for me mm-hmm. and it made me want to read more books like this because you know her reading it helped because I also listened to the to the audiobook so her, her reading it helped because I feel like I was just talking to a friend like she literally would make me laugh mm-hmm. while while I was listening to it but it it had a lot of points in it that I wish like you know oh I need to I need to write this down for future use or like for future Denny to remember it how it it impacted me in this certain way. It it was it was a different read, and I'm glad that I did it and I went through with it. Cause yeah. she is funny and she has a wealth of knowledge. Like you know, don't don't be faced by the by the, by the beautiful face, cause that has a lot. That that brain contains a lot. Yeah, chronicling uh, Stankonia is definitely. Not only was that conversation like in my top ten, that book is in my top ten um, for this year, uh, without a doubt. So that leads us down to number nine. Number nine was our one hundredth episode. Yes, it is our one hundredth episode, and we started with them. We started this podcast, we started this book club because of their first book, Little Fires Everywhere. We talked to none other than Celeste Ng. Yeah. Like, how the fuck did we manage to do that? <laughs> you know, like, well, first, because she's releasing a new book, Our Missing Hearts. But still, like, how? How did we manage to talk to her? And she is so nice. Like, so nice. There's not... There's not an air of pride in that body. Like, how can you talk to us and be friends with, like, Reese Witherspoon and the other lady? What's her name? Oh, Carrie Washington. Carrie Washington. (laughs) So how can she be talking to us and also be friends with Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington? Mm. So, you know, like, her book talks about... Um, a writer that was outcasted because of some of the stuff that they said. And we are living in this dystopian government that wanted to basically get rid of the free thinkers. Mm -hmm. And it's so scary that she's releasing this book on the same time that we are in. Because that's what's happening currently in Florida and all around the world 
about book banning, suppressing press freedom, um, changing the narrative of what's true and right for people of color and minorities. So when we were talking to her, it was very relevant. She did not think that she would be able, you know, that she would release this book at the same time that this is basically socially relevant again. And she was saying, like, it never really disappeared. It's just now it's very it's very prevalent. And it's like, you know, the spotlight is on this. Right. And she she said she never really wanted to shy away from from hard topics. Like, she didn't care if, you know, one or two people would read it as long as she was able to speak her truth. And she didn't care if, you know, if it would be another bestseller. She just wanted to put it in the world, you know, the stuff that she thinks people need to know about. That, you know, we we must we must be aware of the stuff that's going on. So we are not, so we cannot be, like, oppressed again. Because that's basically what's going to happen, you know, that is happening in their book. Um, very, very good conversation. Again, she... She was very friendly, very humble, and very knowledgeable of a lot of stuff. Um, clearly, she did a lot of research to to back up the book. Like, the stuff in the book, you know, about the revolution, the riots, and all that kind of stuff that she put in the book are also kind of based on real and true life events. So, a lot of, a lot of care has been taken in consideration in making that book. So, if you get a chance to read it, please do um, because she is a wonderful writer. Yeah. Like she, she'll take you through the journey. You know, she can, she can already write, but for her to not shy away from these topics, it's just, you know, un- like an icing on the cake almost. So our number 10 uh, of our top 10 is none other than Azar Nafisi. Her oh. book is Read Dangerously, The Subversive Power of Literature in Troubled Times. This was a gift to me. This was a present. This was a present for 2022. <laughs> I think 2022, I already knew, like, this year is going to be a shitty year. <laughs> but I'm going to give you all some gifts. And this is going to be a major gift for you. Don't ask me for nothing else. And we got Azar Nafisi on the show. I have been launching book clubs at work, (laughs) online with Facebook, friends on Facebook. And she is that writer that I always return to. She was the very first, the very first time I wanted to do a book club. Her book was the first one that we read and it was Reading Lolita in Tehran. And um, her new book, which deals with censorship again just like celeste but in the nonfiction sense um it really it really touched the core but it was the conversation that we had with this person who was willing to um take the time and talk to us you know this is this is a woman who could go on npr and talk Why is she talking to us? Like, she's interviewed by New York Times. Like, she's a big-name person. And she's coming on our little podcast to talk to us about her book. That's why I say it was a gift for us. Yeah, this goes to show you how how this really matters to her. Like, how, you know, literature and word, power of the written word is, to her, the thing that you can do to fight oppression. 
Because, you know, this book that she wrote are conversations with between her and her father. Like, she would write letters to her father and how, you know, how her father would, would respond to these to these topics that she's talking about. Um, and, you know, she she's not trying to say, like, oh, maybe, you know, like... I'm I'm not welcome in certain certain areas because of the stuff that I talked about in my book and the countries that I talked about in my book and how sensitive these topics might be but she she keeps she keeps going on and I have so much respect for this lady because again the humility that comes in knowing this knowledge and yet very you know she has this generosity that she wants to give and she's like as long as you're willing to learn from my work i'll give you the time and day so we can talk about it yeah because how else can we change you know systems how else can we change people's minds how can we uplift you know minorities and oppressed people people of color especially women children if we don't talk about these these subjects mm -hmm. if nobody's willing to put it out up front bravely courageously and without batting an eyelash like azar yeah and yeah. you know she she does a lot of research she goes into like you know books that her father was reading she goes into books that she knew from then on and like she's basically like history's repeating itself wake up do something about it or else we're gonna be stuck and this literature, these books that we like to do or to read where we should learn from are going to be useless. Yeah. My favorite moment, though, was when she said we can come to D.C. and oh, visit yeah. her and drink coffee and eat ice cream. Yes. Those are her, her two favorite things to do. <laughs> and she was dead ass serious. Yes. She was not kidding. She was like, no, come. Like, when when is this going to happen? Like, that is... That is to me like you know like how how did we figure this out? All I know is it will it will break my heart if we don't make an attempt to go up there between now and next year and do that like to meet her in person because you know life be life and and I I just want to be able to have that moment with her, but I'm so glad that we were able to um, talk to her. So those are our top ten. Yes. I hope that you all go and, and listen to those episodes if you haven't had a chance to. But those are our top 10 for 2022. And um, we're so grateful to have been able to give those episodes to you. as yes. Not only as they were a gift to us, but they we hope that they were a gift to you. Yeah. No conversation was bad. No conversation was, you know, like less than others. But these were just the ones that really like stuck in our heads. Yeah. And in our hearts. Yeah. And I think we can move forward and, you know, those are our top 10 episodes. Um, but before we we end our, our podcast, there's some other things that we wanted to talk about. And that was the way that we branched out this year. We did a lot of different things yeah. this year. A lot of stuff was brought to us. And uh, one of those was that when we went into um, 2022... We had just come, we had just gone to Savannah in 2021 for my for my birthday celebration and went to an art museum and found the work of Noel W. Anderson. Right. And uh, so struck by his work, 
that we decided, what if we were to interview him? Yeah. And then, we, were, you know, it was like, not only should we interview this artist, why don't we interview just other people who aren't... Authors. Are, are authors. So and, the floodgates were open. Yeah. We invited, you know, uh, Martika Ramirez Escobar, um, a director, a Filipino director, Filipina director, um, that went to the Sundance Film Festival. Like, how crazy was that? Um, the movie is Leonor Never Dies, and she won... She won an award. Yeah, she like, was... that's a big deal. She was the first Filipino to be able to have a film at Sundance to win a, an award mm-hmm. at Sundance. So she did a lot of firsts right. with her movie, which is um, amazing. It's playing now in select theaters in the U.S. So if you're in one of those places, we highly recommend that it you go watch hilarious. it. It is hilarious, and she's so funny. Yeah. And not only did we get to speak to her, but we got to speak to the Evo twins, Adama yeah. and Adane. Hog for Jesus, save your soul, playing playing the theaters nationwide. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's in theaters right now, but I do know it's on Peacock. Uh, we highly recommend that you go and and check that movie out. But to be able to speak to all of these people, Jalissa Leva, who is the creator of Jelly Bin and Pogo in PBS, like yeah. big big people names, yeah, you know? big people names doing big things. Like just with a with the Evil Twins, their movie got picked up by Monkey Paw which is owned by Jordan Peele, who a lot of people know from the uh, Comedy Central special, Key and Peele. He directed Nope and Get Out. So for them to be able to be under his his wing of his production company is truly an honor for them. And it's an honor for us to be able to have the honor yes. to talk to them. This was like a huge year of like branching out for us. But also... Not only were we talking to people about all of their creative endeavors, all the different people from different walks of life, we kind of did something special ourselves. And that was um, being um, allowed to go and be a speaker at the Florida Librarian Association Conference. Yes, these people that have master's and PhD degrees talk, (laughs) listened, listened to us talk talk about the importance of bookstagram and why libraries need to get involved uh with bookstagrammers online and it was definitely a treat we were able to connect with such amazing group of people um we were broadcast online yes, live uh, because we were still in the throes of covid world mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah. I th- I think not just like Bookstagram, but specifically Bookstagrammers that are people of color. Mm-hmm. Like why it is important to tap in those resources because clearly we are trying to do the work here. If they pick pick these up, then these books, these authors would be vastly avail- available in Florida libraries, which is very needed at this point in time. Yeah, and just to have been able to be chosen to to be a speaker um i think it was a i know it was a privilege what was funny about it is that we submitted our our packet to them like i think two days before the deadline we had found out like three days that this even existed like we had no clue Mm -hmm. that we could have this opportunity and we submitted it and by december we found out that we were in right and then may we were out there presenting so we were able to 
you know, step from out of the podcast world and go and do like speeches. Like we had our own TED talk. Right. <laughs> I was terrified. Veronica was enjoying every moment of it. I loved it. I love every second of it. It was so much fun. And uh, yeah, and that was kind of around of a crazy time because we were starting to get sick at that point. And we didn't know if we were going to be able to make it, but we made it to Jacksonville. That's where, where it was held. And mm-hmm. uh, we got through that. And I'm just so eternally grateful for what this year has brought us in the midst of all the craziness to be able to have expanded in the way that we have. And I'm so looking forward to what's coming next for us next year. Um, so yeah, that was, that was what we did this year. This is who we talked to. Now our favorite parts, resolutions. The resolutions. So last year, this is what we said. So, last year was all about time management and yeah. reading the nonfiction because our time management last the year before was so bad that we wanted to improve upon it. So, how did we, how did we do? I mean, we're still bad at time management, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But, you know, we were on it. So, this is what happened. <laughs> what had happened was... <laughs> We were on it. I was doing well, you know, getting these episodes out every week. We were giving y'all more content than the year before. And then May came and blew our shit up. Like I said, we got sick and we kind of had to take a pause because, you know, there was this weird stomach virus thing that was going on and we were we were still ducking and, and dodging COVID. We were doing well. And that was May. And then June came and we were trying to catch up with everything that we had lost. And 
June came and then July came and July said, <laughs> I got some for that ass and gave us COVID. Yeah. So from the end of July going into August, we were dealing with that. Still interviewing, mind you. Yes, we were still doing the interviews. Sounding like this. <laughs> <laughs> Coughing, having to like take breaks. Like there would have been no way. Like for people who do these things live. Every day. I We could not. We could not. And so, um, and COVID COVID is not a cold. Like, if y'all never had COVID, don't get that shit. Like, just don't get it. Just stay home. Mm -hmm. Stay masked up. Because it messed me up so much that it took me a long time for me to get my energy back to being able... It made me depressed because we had been backed up already because of May and I'm trying to catch up. And now we were really backed up because of COVID and trying to get all of these podcasts out and there was a point where I just was like, I can't do it. I don't have the time nor the capacity, and I need to rest and try to get myself together. Um, that disease ain't no joke, and I hope nobody has to deal with it. Um, but I'm I'm still eternally grateful that we were able to continue on recording podcasts. Um, you all were getting them at the end of the year. <laughs> I'm sure y'all listening trying to figure out, oh, shit, they putting out a podcast episode every day. That's because we've been backed up. Yes. But, um, yeah, we we really wanted to work on a more timely schedule. And I think it was just, this year was just too much. And, like, we found ourselves, I know I found myself, reading books the day before uh, interviews. <laughs> um, being transparent. But, uh, yeah. I, I, I want to go into 2023 uh, with better time measurement. Yeah. I do. That's my, I'm sticking to that resolution till I get it right. Yeah. And, you know, like also two hurricanes hit us um, at the end of the year. That wasn't easy for Veronica. As you all know, if you follow us in social meds, we don't want to talk about that again because what's the point? But. <laughs> Yeah, like stuff like that happens and like and it's real life. That's our real life. And we're just trying to you know, provide the stuff that needs to be provided but still main maintaining our sanity and our real lives real. Yeah. Um yeah, so the end the end of 2020 is was was not the easiest, but we're still here. We're standing and we're still providing content. <laughs> we're still going to give you all the good stuff, you know? And we we really look forward to 2023. It has a lot of stuff. Like this year, we were able to talk to the people from Rise. Um, we've, we've talked to so many different writers this year. And we're really excited about what the following year has come. We basically have the first quarter of the year set up. So stay tuned. Um, get your library cards ready. Uh, tell your indie bookshops to to stay abreast because yes. we about to drop some some, some of that good good some on bombs. And you know, shout out to all the authors as well, and to the to the to their publicists that keep wanting to send books our way, that keep wanting to talk to us. Um, you know, because we we really also appreciate it. I know we're not as big as NPR, Fresh Air, 
you know, we're we're not we're gonna get there. But <laughs> here you go again with my crazy talk. Um, thank you for making allowing us and making time for us because we also appreciate it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it shows us that you are dedicated in parting, you know, also our mission to become more inclusive, to find representation in literature and in media. So if you come to our show, that means, you know, you're on board. You're on board with progress. I just want to say, you know, um, we are not a big podcast, you know, and for every click, every listen, it truly means a lot to us. And we are eternally grateful for everyone who has taken the time to download an episode, to listen to our content, to go to our website, to engage with us on Instagram, uh, to email us, you know, book suggestions that we should read. It, it truly um, means the world that to know um, that you all are paying attention and we just hope that we can just continue to spread our message worldwide that it needs to be that more people are reading books written by black asian latin indigenous everybody queer um yeah we we want to know that those books matter those books need to be read those books need to be read with a critical eye and we want to be able to talk to every single person in the world who knows how important that is for us um, so yeah, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We hope that 2023 is a year of abundance, of opulence, of luxury, of reading everything that you say that you're going to read and being true to yourself that when you pick up a book and you try it and you can't get through it, you can put it down and be fine with it to walk away. Um, but whatever your resolutions are for this next year, I hope that um it is nothing more than health wealth and love that comes your way so until we meet again happy new year happy new year bye bye we hope you enjoyed our show Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Vulgar Geniuses. Our theme song that you're nodding your head along to was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Dammit. That's S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast. See you soon. Deuces. Deuces.